Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life. I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and today we're heading back to Spain, doing some more quarantining with 2012's Rec 3 Genesis. And I'm joined by our Rec correspondent, Josh Wessler. Josh, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. How about yourself, Ryan? Oh, I'm just Andy, uh, watching people get infected, seeing a bunch of chainsaw happening. That's always fun. Yeah, and then we watched Wreck. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. I liked it. That was a good joke. So, uh, well, we're three movies into the Wreck series so far, Josh. What are, you, what are your thoughts? What did you think of the movie? I thought that this one was... I, I enjoyed this one, but it was my least favorite of the three so far. Uh, it got a little bit away from the typical Wreck feel, and it's still was about the same thing but you didn't really need any background on it and they didn't give you any background they assume that you watched the first two movies which is probably good to do you don't need to go into any of that other stuff yeah but it was partially found footage probably the longest intro to a movie i've ever seen it's up there if you want to compare like the quality of the film this is probably the best one just because of like it was shot really well oh beautiful cinematography great i feel like they just took what they didn't have from the first two because they're found footage movies and just put it all into this one you know they did not make the same movie or they i guess they made the same movie in a different way i guess is the way you could describe rec three yeah a little bit I like Rec 3. It's not a good Rec movie, but it's an entertaining movie. It's it's my least favorite of the first three as well, but I still like the film. Yeah, I still like it. I, I did end up giving it a 5 out of 10. Okay. Um, just because I gave I gave the second one a 6, and I don't think that it was quite to that level. But there were definitely some good parts in it, too. Obviously, had fun. I would give it a 7. Oh, all right. But the whole point of this podcast is we're trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies, and that includes... Found footage or non-found footage zombie movies. We have a master list of 49 rules so far. You can check that out on our Twitter account, at HowToHorror. That's how the number two horror. You can check out our current list of rules. But we're going to go through the plot of this movie beat by beat, decision by decision, to see if we need to add any new rules to our list. So, spoiler alert for Rec 3. If you've seen the first two, go watch Rec 3. It's fun. Yeah, you're committed at this point. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, And if you haven't seen Rec 1 and Rec 2, you can still go watch Rec 3 and you'll be fine. There's yeah, like, you, you won't really you won't really get a whole lot of it. Like you can assume they refer to a couple of things in it yeah. that you can just kind of assume just because when it ends up being uh, a little bit religious, uh, just like oh, I'm making the link here yeah. now. Uh, you, you'll make it. There's like two little references to Rack One and Two, but that's yeah. about it. Josh, get anything else before we get into this? I'm good. All right, let's get into the plot of Rec 3 Genesis. All right, so the movie begins with, uh, this was actually really funny because it really threw Josh for a loop, but it's kind of like one of those wedding DVD slideshows that people get when they get married. So they'll show it like at the reception of, oh, here's the two, the bride and the groom all when they were babies and they're growing up. And it starts off with like a DVD menu and it looks like the DVD is kind of fritzing out for a second. And Josh is really concerned. It's like, what's wrong with my Xbox? <laughs> it's like, I'm like, this isn't a DVD. <laughs> this is a Blu-ray, first of all. <laughs> but we are, our bride and groom, there, it's a guy named Coldo and his uh, bride-to-be Clara. Clara? Clara? Clara. Yeah, the Clara. And they don't have a ton of personality, except they love each other. A lot. A lot. <laughs> you know, they probably would have 
I probably would have made it. If, if they, I think I don't think they would have gotten divorced. No, like we. There's no, there's, there's, the characters in this movie are very thin. There's not much to them. No, and, and I guess that was one of the reasons why I would maybe rate it a little bit lower. Is that you got backstory on essentially no one. Yeah, pretty much exactly no one. And you didn't even get more as the movie went on. Yeah, uh, they're just kind of like threw in characters and then threw them out. Yep. Like, okay, bye. Hi, bye. <laughs> and we get introduced to so many characters because it's a giant wedding is what's happening. Huge family wedding. A million characters. Most of them don't matter. Almost all of them die instantly. So I'm only going to touch on the characters that actually matter uh, who play any real role in the story. So the movie starts off a uh, found footage, uh, like the Wreck 1 and 2, and this only goes on for like maybe 12-15 minutes of, of found footage. So first up we meet Coldo's cousin, Adrian, who is, he's got a camera and he's filming some of the wedding. Adrian's a guy, and that's all we know about him. Yeah, he he's buddy-buddy with the other videographer there, Yep, um, and that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, there's a, there's a professional winning a wedding photographer there, a guy named Atun, who's kind of a big jovial guy. Mm-hmm. They're both filming the wedding, and those are Atun and Adrian. Like skiing shots of girls' chests. Yeah, Adrian's kind of a perv. <laughs> Zooms in on boobs. That's that's Adrian. Then we also have a Clara's sister, a little girl named Tita, who she does a little bit of filming herself for like two scenes. She's one of the camera operators. I thought this was going somewhere. No, yeah, it goes nope. nowhere. Not even anywhere. But Tita. She's just a little girl. We also meet uh, Kodo's Uncle Pepe. And he's probably the most important side character because he was actually a veterinarian. And he was the guy who treated the dog from Wreck 1, which is where all this crap started, was with the dog. The dog was kind of patient zero. Wreck 1 and 2, the the SWAT team and the medical people, they're all tracing where the dog came from, the apartment building. But before all that happened, Pepe went off to this wedding, and he got bit by the dog. So he's already infected. And that's where the, nothing could possibly go wrong here. Nope. Oh, yeah. And it, was, it it's introed. And, and this is where if you had seen the first two movies, you know instantly where this is going. Oh, yeah. Like, this, there there should be zero surprise. No, if you're just watching Rec 3 on, by, on itself, it's like, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. If you were watching Rec 3 alone, you'd be like, oh, this guy's infected already. You don't need to see Rec 1 and 2 to understand that. But you, you know the greater context if you have. Yeah. So Clara and her family, they're, they're, they're coming to the church, uh, this big church, and everybody goes inside, and we get the wedding. And it happens, and Coldo sings his new wife a song, and everyone heads over to the reception location. Uh, first of all, th- this is an alcohol-free wedding, they also mentioned. Yeah, what the hell? Who does that? You're a monster if you do that. I, un- I understand if you don't like drink, but give people the option. People are at your wedding, uh, and they're they're stuck wearing nice clothing, probably uncomfortable, it's probably hot out, or maybe it's cold out. Weather is probably not optimal, just give them some booze. I mean, you saw a few of the guys that came up, like, right before the actual ceremony started, and I think they're just, like, carrying, like, flasks or, like, beer cans or whatever. It's just like, yeah, if you're not going to have alcohol at your wedding, you're probably going to get people to sneak it in anyways. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) Degenerates will always find a way. Oh, yes, we will. So we also meet Coldo's grandfather, who is deaf and wears hearing aids. And Uncle Pepe, he's a, he's a little bit out of it. He's a little bit off. Something, something might be a little bit wrong with him. 
Yeah, just kind of spacing off, looking off into the distance a lot. Just doing his thing. Yeah. So we go to the reception, and Koto and Clara, they actually cut their cake with a sword. Yeah, this is cool. Straight up a sword. This is what, like, you should do at any wedding. It doesn't have to be a sword, but something cool other than just, like, your typical knife. So this reception's kind of taking place at, like, a refurbished medieval castle. It's been turned into, like, a reception area. But they have all this medieval stuff on display. This place is huge. Huge place, too. It had to be expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah. This place cost money. So there's also a wedding entertainer for, like, the kids. So you don't have the kids stuck in the reception. They're off doing their own thing. And the entertainer is a guy uh, who we refer to as John Sponge because he is a knockoff of SpongeBob SquarePants. He can't actually be SpongeBob because copyright issues, so he's John Sponge. This is great. <laughs> and uh, Adrian and John Sponge, they're outside hanging out. Adrian notices Uncle Pepe puking up blood. That's a problem, but he just thinks it's booze. Yeah, it's it's dark. You yeah. just think that he's just drunk and puking, which it, it's a little early to be that drunk, but, yeah. you know. You know, it goes hard, yeah, maybe, Pepe. Uncle Pepe. Um, they also notices a couple of guys in hazmat suits and, like, a police officer showing up, but they just go back inside. Nothing to see here. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just my occupation, because I work in news. But if I see a hazmat team and a cop showing up someplace I'm at, I'm intrigued and I want to find out what's going on. I don't know. What about you? So I'm going to give them a, I'm going to be a little more relaxed on them. Uh, the cop thing, it could be anything. The hazmat suits, they didn't really touch on. They said, oh, like, what are those guys over there? And like, he, he zoomed in with the camera. So I'm assuming he wasn't able to really like see like too well himself. And it was pretty blurry. Like you could tell they were wearing like these yellow outfits or something uh so maybe they just didn't recognize that they're hazmat sure. people and adrian seems like he's like a teenager yeah i don't know I, I i would be a little bit more curious than them and be like huh what's going on yeah but immediately after this the guy and the other videographer comes out and says hey like you need to be getting the shots inside yeah. that's what's most important so like sure snap out of it basically right away sure it, it's forgivable but a little bit like eh. not yeah it's definitely not great it's not great there's worse things in this movie <laughs> yeah we also meet a, a guy, one of the, the groom's best friends, a guy named Rafa. And one of Clara's friends, Natalie, who's from France, is there as well. And uh, the two of them go off to bang. You don't know that. They could just be going off to get to know each other better. Yeah, well, I'm sure they did. Yep. <laughs> so the two of them leave the reception. And just after they leave, uh, Pepe, who everybody thinks is drunk, is hanging up on the, the second floor balcony and just falls over the side. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> As everybody's like, oh no, we gotta help Pepe. He just rips a chunk out of his wife. Just bites her. Rule number one, everybody. Rule number one, you are all in a horror movie. Yep. The first rule of surviving a horror movie is you have to know you're in one. If somebody is biting out people's throats, you're in a horror movie. I, I don't think you can excuse anything. Every character in this movie besides Rafa and Natalie should know they're in a horror movie. And, I th and they do. And they do. That is not an issue in this movie at yeah, all. I, I don't know if that's the first thing that comes to their mind, but they... They run. They react <laughs> like every, everyone reacts. We just get mass chaos. People running all over the place. We have like no idea what's happening. Million characters running a million different ways. Honestly, at this point, if someone's getting their throat ripped out, it's time to go. Rule number eleven: Get out. Get out. Yep. That's the first uh, thing I do. Yeah, and not even just like into a different room. Like you get off the premises. Yep. I'm gone. I'm getting in my car and I'm going home. They didn't have cars here. Oh yeah, they all bust over. They all bust over. Ooh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, they all got bust over here, and some of them it looked like they might have even walked. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how far it is. But they're the, nobody's got cars here. That's right. Besides maybe the staff. The staff probably has cars here. Yeah, because there were a few cars. Yeah. Like when uh, when we eventually get outside, you, you see a couple of cars there. But I'm just running on foot. I'm just gone. Yep. Nobody really does that. 
as far as we can tell. As far as we saw it, it looked like it was more difficult to do. Sure. Um, infected people there, running around. Inf- infected people running around. We ran into a couple of locked doors, a couple of places where we just couldn't get into rooms. So, now, we'll get to that later, uh, that there might have been more chances, but right now in the movie... I don't know how possible it is. Oh, yeah. yeah that's totally fair. It, it's hard to say because we don't know the layout that well. It, mm-hmm. it really is hard to say, and it's a big place. But a whole bunch of infected people just start swarming the reception hall. People are getting... Eaten. Yeah, somehow, like, there's just a bunch of infected people already, and they just jump through windows. Yeah, and... they are not fucking around. They're going ham. It's kind of fun. It's a fun sequence. Yeah, and, it, I mean, you'll get a little more context later that when the priest says, like, oh, they all seem to be, like, uh, controlled by, like, one... Source. It's the demon it, from the first it, two movies. It is, but that kind of justifies a little bit more. Like, oh, all the infected people that are that have apparently been infected up to this point are all reacting the same way at the same time. It's kind of a coordinated attack because yep. it's one entity controlling all of them. Yep, it's pretty cool actually. Utter chaos. Coldo uh, and Clark they end up getting separated. So Coldo, Adrian, the little sister Tita, Atun, and this other guy, a guy named Mancho. Also known as royalties because he's a guy who checks, gives royalty fees for weddings that are, or the songs that are played at weddings. He like pays the fees or is in charge of like tracking which songs are played so he can pay. Yeah, the most random thing ever. This was so just out there that I'm like, okay, what's this guy about? Like, I thought this guy like was, had like some other job that he wasn't telling them. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Just a random guy. So that's Macho. So we have these five people. They all barricade themselves in the kitchen. That's great. I uh, love that. And at this point, this is this is I kind of love this uh, because the one of the, one of the most ridiculous things in found footage movies is they're like we have to film all this so people know what's happening. And uh, Atun says those exact same words. He's like we have to we have to record everything because the others are like why the hell are you still filming? Why do you still have your giant camera? And Coldo <laughs> he gets annoyed and just like smashes the camera. And then we go to main titles. Yep, and that's that's the end of the the first chunk of the movie. That's like fifteen minutes in, we finally get the opening credits. Yep, I, I was not expecting that. Uh, so from this point on, the whole movie is no longer found footage. It's just normally shot. I think it's kind of kind of poking fun at the the wreck uh, found footage genre. So I, I kind of like this part where it's just like, ah, what are you doing? Yeah, and it's like it's almost like better quality than I would expect. Like even if you're going to make it into a not found footage movie, like you. It seems like it's even more over the top with like the quality yeah. of it. So it it just looks very strange for a wreck movie. Yeah, it's it, it takes a little bit to adjust. Yeah. So the group they're in the kitchen. They try the second floor of the kitchen, but infected are upstairs. So they just seal that off immediately, which is good. At this point, they should be locking and loading. There's knives in a kitchen. Grab some stuff. Rule five: lock and load. Yep. And no one does. No one does. So they find a grate in the floor. And Atun's got this, like, multi-tool, a screwdriver thing that he tries to use to open it, but Mancho bumps into him and he drops it. What's his name? Royalties? Mancho um, Royalties. Yeah, he basically... And this is this is where I was even, like, it was kind of confirming them, like, oh, this guy, there's something up with this guy, because this is just such a stupid move. Yeah. They're just like, oh, he's sabotaging them. Like, he knows something. Nope, he's just gotten in the way. And here's the really sad thing. We're going to find out later that this grate goes down into a tunnel system beneath the, the castle. And that led to a way out. Yep, there was a led way to out the outside. Out. And if they had just opened this grate, all of these characters would have lived. And none of them end up living. Probably. Like, almost certainly would have lived. We don't know how long, like, the quarantine was set up for. Sure. So, like, it could already be set up for all we know. That'd be impressive. I mean, there's those guys in the hazmat suits yeah. already there. But they could have made it. Yes. And just because Mancho sucks. Yep. 
he drops the screwdriver. They end up finding an air vent out of the kitchen, and they all decide to take that way, but Atun, he's kind of a big dude and, and can't fit in there. So he's like, all right, here's a night vision camera. Use that to get out. Peace, y'all. <laughs> good luck. Bye. And they leave Atun behind. I mean, good on the rest of them. That's the move. Like, hey, hey. Yeah, I have no idea who you are. Like, I, I met mean, you a couple hours ago. Met you today. Uh, goodbye. The one problem that I have with this one is that I understand that he can't really fit in there, but never give up. Yeah, we'll get like, to that uh, in just one second. But I do want to say for them, rule 35, no one to cut ties. So what's going to happen with Atun is he's going to end up slitting his wrist, and we're going to find that out much later. They'll find his body later. The infected never got in the kitchen when he was in there. Like, after everybody left... The infected never got in. He just slit his wrists and died. Yeah. He could have made it out. If he if he just stayed in the kitchen and hid, he could have made it. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, because the infected are, like we said, being controlled by, by one source. Like, we don't know what their motivation is. Like, they could be going for a specific person or a specific group of people. And now that he's alone, maybe they don't go for him. Who knows? And let's say you do get bit. Maybe there's a cure. Yeah, we talked about that on the last movie. That never, never just off yourself. If you, if you truly are just desperate and you want to just be as hopeful as possible, maybe there can be a cure. Yeah, there's like you know, 0.01 percent chance that there's a cure. But that's not zero. There's not a cure of suicide. Yep. Uh, so rule 17: never give up. The next thing you try might work. So Toon does give up here. And the one, the other thing that I was thinking of is they're they they jump straight to looking for another way out. These were just regular screws. There might have been something else in the kitchen that you could have used. Sure. To try to get out. Like there's, I it would have been hard to work with, but maybe a knife you yeah. could unscrew it with. Yeah. Who knows? The, you, there was a way to get that grate open. Yeah. It would have been a pain in the ass. And maybe and you might not have had enough time. You might not have had enough time. But if you like hide for a little bit and let the infected go away and then just stay quiet, might have worked. Yeah. Never give up. The next thing you try might work. So the group crawls to the air vents using the night vision camera and they get outside and they, their, their plan is to get to the police car at this point because, hey, police will help. Fair enough plan at this point. They don't have any other vehicles here. Why not? So they're going for it and they get distracted by, you know, when the infected are running around, they hear people screaming for help. And at one point, Mondo freezes up. Because royalties, he sucks. Yep. <laughs> Rule number 10, don't panic. But they drag his ass along with them. And they get to the police car. The cop's already dead. He's being eaten. And, but the infected, one of the infected attacks. And I got to give credit, Adrian, uh, he uses like a hose to like kind of subdue the infected. Yeah, kind of like choking. Choking almost. Off. Yeah. Mancho picks up a tire iron, rule number five, lock and load, and just beats it to death. And double, triple, quadruple taps. I don't even know how many times he hit her. Yeah, it's like 12 or something crazy. Yeah. So the rule number six is double tap. Uh, yeah, this is, I don't even, know. I don't have a word for how many times he hits and takes down this infected. It was basically the only good thing he did. Literally the only good thing he does in the whole movie. So, you know, good for you, Mancho. You did one thing right. But then he tries to use the radio in the cop car, and the cop comes back to life infected and just kills Mancho. Never assume you're safe. Yeah, that's rule 33. Especially in a zombie movie, you can never assume you're safe. They could be anywhere. Even if you put a bullet in their head, they could still come back. You, well, you'd never know what type of zombie they are. Rule number two, constant vigilance. So, yeah, for Mondo, ultimately it was just constant vigilance and uh, assuming he was safe that took him down. But, boy, he was almost worthless. Almost. There, there is one little speck. He, he did one good thing. But at least he's done. He's out of the movie now. Yep, bye. We're done with him. 
Oh, but another thing he does, I forgot to mention, is he sets the tire iron down when he's done. Rule number seven, don't leave your weapon behind. Firmly grasp it. If you had your tire iron with you when you were in the car, maybe you would have survived fighting this infected cop. Maybe. Maybe. You probably, probably wouldn't have, because he kind of got the jump on you, but... Better odds. Yeah. I'll always take the tire iron. <laughs> and, and then, even worse, as he's dying, he accidentally turns on the lights and sirens... Screwing everybody else over. Rule number 26, don't give away your position. And this does it. <laughs> Especially when you're dying. It's what we call a dick move. <laughs> Loud sirens. <laughs> if, I mean, if, you, if your motivation is to bring everyone else down with you, then sure. I guess. <laughs> I guess, but you just met these people <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Why? <laughs> so the group, there's only three left. Coldwell, Adrian, and Tita. They're the only three left. Yeah, we were uh, slumming down real quick here. Real quick. So they take off into the woods and end up kind of surrounded outside of this chapel and they're fortunate that a bunch of people have taken shelter inside the chapel and the infected can't get in because this is a demon this is a demon movie not a zombie movie zombie demons yeah and somehow these people found that out on their own they just must have figured it out like oh they're not coming in here oh okay okay yeah they mentioned something with holy water too like i don't know if they tried to spray them or something i who knows whatever works um, and they let our, our three survivors inside. So we have a massive group of characters, and none of whom matter pretty much. Yeah. I don't think we get introduced to basically anyone. Yeah. Uh, the only new character we meet that matters is a waiter. And he, we don't even have a oh, name. Yeah. We're yep. just waiter. We saw him once earlier serving non-alcoholic drinks. Uh, that's the only new character that matters at all. Yep. But there's like 25, 30 people in here. The phone is down at this point, so they can't call for help. That, that gets mentioned. So you're on your own, people. You gotta maybe help will arrive at some point, but you really gotta just spy for yourself. Yeah, very similar to the first movie. Now, if the infected can't get in this chapel, why not just hold out here until help comes? That's a legitimate strategy. That, that is the right move. If unless you think that like eventually this isn't gonna hold for whatever reason, there's no benefit to leaving. There isn't. Yeah, rule number eight, don't leave your shelter. And all of these people are going to do that. And all of these people are going to die. They kind of come up with a plan um, where they're all going to go get on one of the buses and then just take off. Which, you know, that's a, that's a strategy if your place is being torn down around you. But if they can't come in a chapel, yeah. stay there. Or maybe send one person to go get the bus if you really, really, really decide on sure. leaving. Because then you're not slowed down by other people. Kids. Bunch of kids are in this group. Bunch yep. of kids. A couple of old people. And then they can hopefully get the bus over to you and you can pile on. Sure, sure. That's a, that's a plan. You could, like, park the bus right in front of the chapel, yep. open the door, everybody gets on, and you guys take off. That's a way better strategy than anything else we've seen in this movie. Josh, it's almost like we podcast about surviving horror movies. Wow. <laughs> anyway, the, so the PA system turns on, and Clara, she's she's talking, and she's like, Hey, I'm alive. Cold, I know you're out there somewhere. By the way, I'm pregnant. Surprise! I've been meaning to tell you all that. I just didn't get a chance anyway. By the way, this was not a shotgun wedding. My my family, I found out this morning. I appreciate that. Don't be assholes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coldo's new plan is he's going to go find Clara. Now, granted, he knows exactly where she is. Yes. So, that's something. That's better than we normally see in these movies. But, rule number 14 is don't go looking for missing people. I get it's your wife. And honestly, I would new wife, too. probably do the same thing. I get it. It's still a bad move. It is a bad move if your motivation is strictly to try to survive by yourself. Yes. But given what his current motivation is, which is to go and find his 
his newlywed wife. Yep. He uh, does it, I think, in the best way possible. Yeah, yeah. He he's gonna lock and load and bring one person with also locked and loaded. There, they put on a bunch of armor and get some medieval weapons. He's got like a mace. Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. Badass. So if you're gonna do this, at least he didn't do it completely stupidly, and he knew exactly where he was going, mm-hmm. and he brought a guy with who worked at the place. He brings waiter with him because yeah. waiter knows the layout. And I guess the other the other thing that you kind of have to think of is if you're confident enough that you can at least find her and like make your way back, that gives her so much of a better chance to survive because you know that you have this safe space that they can't get into where she has absolutely no sure. idea that even exists. So if you're going to go looking for missing people, this is like the best possible way to do it. Still a technical rule break. Yes. But I won't give him too much crap for it. I would almost give more crap to the waiter. Yeah. Oh, the waiter. What are you doing, man? <laughs> you, you don't know these people. You met them today. And you probably you probably never talked to the bride in, in ever. You probably never talked to either of them until this moment. Nope. So I don't know what the waiter's doing. He's a moron. There's no reason for him to go. Inexcusable. Yeah, pretty much inexcusable. Another early front runner for Night of the Living Club. Yeah. So Clara, she and the priest who officiated the wedding, and we never learned this guy's name. He's just priest. Uh, they're in the control center. Um, they're they're watching everything on the monitors. For whatever reason, they didn't lock the doors behind them or close them when they entered this room. And they realized the infected are coming. They're like, oh, we have to close and lock the doors. Yeah, maybe think of that earlier. What? 25, lock the doors. Well, there you go. That's right. We have a rule yep. for it. Now, granted, they do get them like shut and barricaded in time. But, that but it was been, real close. It was real close. Playing with fire there. Especially when you don't have anything to fight them off with. So if right. they do get in, you are absolutely screwed. Yeah. So they're barricading themselves in. So Clara realizes they're they're screwed. Um, so she uses a fire hose to break the window, and she and the priest climb out. The priest freaks out for a second, but she, like, slaps him to stop him from panicking. Rule 10. And they, yeah, because this priest is basically having, like, a crisis because he's realizing what's going on. Yeah. Realizes that this is the work of the devil. Yep. And that they are... Very much in trouble. Oh, yeah. You betcha. But the two of them managed to escape by climbing down to the next, the, the story below, using the fire hose, and they just missed crossing paths with Coldo and the waiter. Bummer. <laughs> so the priest, he, he arms himself with a pool cue. So lock and load. That's something. It's a little weak, but it's something. It, it, anything's better than nothing. Yep. And they run into Rafa and Natalie, who have just been banging. <laughs> yes, they think that some, like, uh, infected person is, like, behind this chair or is, like, eating another person. But they ain't infected. Nope. <laughs> uh, no, maybe they are infected after that. Who knows? Herpes jokes. You gotta yep. love them. <laughs> so they kind of fill in Rafa and Natalie on everything. Who buy the story immediately, yeah, pretty much. Good for them. You're never going to believe this. Cut, Cut away. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We're in danger. I'm in danger. <laughs> I'm in danger. So Rafa and Natalie know they're in a horror movie. Everybody... You're all in a horror movie. Good job. And they all know it, so you're good for these people. So, the waiter and Coldo enter the building, and Coldo, or the waiter's like, hey, we have to take a left up here. And then all of a sudden, he just gets grabbed and pulled behind a curtain and killed. Yep. Rule number 26, don't give away your position. He didn't whisper. He just kind of talked at like a regular volume. Yep. And you shouldn't have even been here in the first place. What were you thinking? You dingbat. Waiter, I think it's the front runner for Night of Living Club at this point. It's really close. Mondo Just because there's no redeeming. There's nothing factors. redeeming, and Mondo at least went ham with that tire iron. Yeah, he did. <laughs> so Clara's group, they uh, they get attacked, and uh, she, Rafa, Natalie all uh, run away. Good for them. But as they're going, Rafa notices in a mirror reflection of the infected 
that it's all Tristana, the uh, the main zombie from the first two movies, the really tall, lanky-looking one. So they're all controlled by one form. Uh, that was kind of the, what the priest had been saying, and Rafa confirms it. And we all know what that means. Yeah, they don't really know exactly what it means. No. They, they know that it's, at least connecting with what the priest is saying, that it's all working together. But they have no idea who this girl yep. is. The priest might actually know just because I think he mentions the the father from the first movie. I heard him say, uh, like, oh, what's his name? Father Alberto or whatever. Alberto. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, he was right. Or like oh. he said something about this. I don't, I don't I miss remember. That. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was really quick. The only reason why I caught it is because of the subtitles. <laughs> oh, wow. I must have just been looking down for a second. Well, good for you. Nice catch, Josh. Yeah, thanks. So there was something communicated at some point, like, to a, probably a bunch of other, like, priests. Priests. Okay. Okay. So the priest, he tries to use his uh, pool cue stick and it immediately breaks. But then he just starts praying. And prayer is the most powerful weapon, I guess. Yeah. Because yep. it freezes all of these infected in place. He's fine. He's totally good. Yeah, maybe use this to your advantage now. And I think he's going to. So Coldo, he gets up to the control room, and he sees the group, uh, Adrian, Tita, and all those people from the chapel. They're all, they've all made it to the bus. They're getting on board. One of those guys has a gun, trying to shoot the infected, and they all get on board the bus, but so does one of the infected. Yeah, the bus, the, the it's the type of door that is, like, automatic. Yeah. So it closes, opens and closes super slowly. And... The, they just have no chance. They're they're way too close. The infected were too close to the bus by the time they started closing the door, and they just whoop, skirted right in. Yep. So Adrian, Tita, and every one of those like thirty people who got on the bus. A whole bunch of kids and old people. Bunch of kids and old people. Dead. They're all dead. Rip. Rip. Rule number eight: Don't leave your shelter. It's a massive violation this time. Yep. I mean, because things can get into like your home. Yeah, um, fairly easily. Like if it really wants to, you're you're in this. I don't even know what it would be. Just like this escape. Like you can sit here until basically you starve to death. Yep. Yeah. Or well, I guess dehydration. I don't know. Holy or dehydration. Water. Oh, yeah, There's yeah, holy water, water in there. You yeah. can just drink the holy water. Drink the holy water. Drink the holy water and then walk out. You <laughs> might be fine. <laughs> Who knows? Send out grandma to test it. Yeah, send out grandma to test it. Yeah, uh, th- that's something. Yeah. And you got to imagine the the SWAT team will try and come in at some point. You know that's what happened in Rec Two. Yeah, uh, maybe it'll work out for you guys. They'll probably mow down all the infected, and then they'll finally get to you. Hopefully, they don't just shoot you on the spot. Hopefully, but it's gonna you get better odds than what ended up happening with the bus. Yeah, you'll probably have to stake it out there for like a max of like two days, maybe. Yep. You can do it. Yeah. I believe in you. Yeah, but you're all dead now. So one of uh, Coldo's buddies uh, is one of the infected and comes into the room, and Coldo's got to kill him with a mace. But then Coldo leaves the mace behind. He doesn't take it with him. Rule seven, don't leave your weapon behind. God damn. That's so frustrating. It's 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 like the worst sin in the movie. It I mean, it's a not a, it's not an amazing weapon because it's so heavy. Sure. But usually it's a kill shot, like if you actually end up hitting them with it. It's a one-hit wonder. Better than nothing. And, okay, get rid of it if you have something to replace it with. Yeah. But he didn't replace it yet. So Clara, uh, Rafa, and Natalie enter a garage where they run into John Sponge, who's still in his costume because he's not wearing anything underneath it. Which is weird. Which is really weird. I like how they just brushed right on past that. Just like, oh, okay. He's the children's entertainer. Hmm. <laughs> I have concerns. Now, I get that those costumes can be hot. Yes. Like, that's understandable. But maybe this is, like, implication that, like, you're not even wearing underwear underneath. That's what he implies. Yep. Because he's still wearing it in the zombie apocalypse. First of all, it's amazing. It's also amazing that he's still alive somehow. Yeah. Second of all, 
you're better off being naked than wearing this thing in the zombie fight. Yeah. Zombies don't care about seeing your dick. Yeah. But the good news is for him is he has a gun. He's found a gun. Uh, lock and look. I don't know where he got it. He said he got it off a guard, a dead guard. Oh, okay. I guess they have guards. Guards have shotguns. Shoot. Cool. Yeah, I guess. So they start like trying to open the garage door because it's, it's shut and they have to open it manually. But the infected attack and kill Natalie. They bite her. Yeah, right after she has a nice heart-to-heart. Yeah, with, the most like emotional Clara. depth. Because Clara, she's like, uh, Natalie's like, man, I almost didn't even come to your wedding because we haven't talked in years. And Clara's like, yeah, I only invited you to be polite. I didn't think you were going to come. And they're like, oh, well, this sucks. Love you, though. <laughs> Sorry for inviting you. <laughs> Sorry for inviting you to my wedding. So I guess the, the rule is just don't go to any weddings. Yep, right, write it down. <laughs> rule 50 or whatever we're on. <laughs> no, that is not an actual rule. <laughs> don't go to weddings. Especially when they're not serving booze. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Natalie ends up getting killed because she assumes she's safe. You know, you can't let your guard down. Yeah, and this is a tough one just because, like... Infected just burst through a window. Yeah, and, and it wasn't even, like, a lit room that you would have been able to see the infected in. They kind of preview it, and you're like, oh, well, this is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and you can only see it when it, there's, like, a flash of light from something. So I, you can't falter too much, but maybe stay towards the middle of a room. Yep. And just whenever possible. Keep paying attention and don't have your emotional heart-to-hearts right now. Yeah. But the rest of them all managed to get out of the garage. Then this really weird moment happens. Sponge John sees something. And he's like, hey, I saw something. Okay, it's probably infected. Roth is like, let's go check it out. Clara, you stay here. What? 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 This was the most, one. Of, this is one of the most baffling moments of the movie for me. I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> Rule number 19 is don't split up, gang. Let's split up and look for clues. Here we are. So they're not even far apart. What do you expect to find? Oh no, there's probably a zombie over there. Who cares? Uh, just keep an eye on that general direction and just keep moving wherever you're going to go. But they just leave Clara behind and her infected mother shows up. And thankfully, Sponge John comes back and just shoots the, the mom. And, you know, Clara has not freak out, obviously, because her mom's head just got blown off. Yeah. Uh, it was a... It was a tough moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that would be hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you're all, you've already seen how many other family members, but it's your mom. Yeah, it's your mom. Uh, but they they drag her with. Uh, but as they're running away, uh, Sponge John is attacked and killed. Ah, uh, probably because he's wearing this costume. <laughs> you probably can't run too fast in it. So honestly, for Sponge John, he he needed to take the costume off. Rule thirty one: put your ego aside. <laughs> I don't know what you're hiding under there, Sponge John, but was it worth dying for? <laughs> even if you look stupid, you run around butt-ass naked, even if these two random strangers who you've never met before are just seen you full-on nude, at least you're not dead. Yep, but now he's dead. He does not live in a pineapple under the sea. <laughs> nope. And the two of them, they find a like like a way down into the tunnel system beneath the castle. So Rafa and uh, Clara have found some brief safety. Yeah, brief. So down in the tunnels, Clara's like, I'm not going to leave without Coldo. Yeah, but you don't know where he is. That's the thing. That's a little different this time. It's like, just just get out. Just go. Get maybe, out of here. Maybe he's out already. Yeah, maybe. Doubt- doubtful. Doubtful. Yeah. But go outside, join the SWAT team, and shout into the megaphone like, hey, Coldo, I'm outside. Get out here. That's the right move. Hello. Hello from the outside. Hello from <laughs> <laughs> And Rafa's trying to convince her, like, yeah, he would have let us know if he was still alive somehow. Cut to Cole, though, turning on the music back in the reception area. <laughs> oh, he's alive. That's a single. 
Yeah, I'm not sure if he was just saying this before, just like, we need to go, like, you would have had a sign if he was alive, alright, let's go, and then just cue the music, just, god damn it. (laughs) And Rafa decides to go with her, like, because she grabs a chainsaw that she finds, and she's locking and loading, and cuts off part of her dress so she can fight easier, and Rafa's gonna go with her without a weapon. Dude, time to cut ties, man. Yeah. You're at the exit. Just go. Get out. And maybe if, like, you both had chainsaws or if you had some weapon, like, okay, a little bit more reasonable. Or if there was something that he needed from Koldo for whatever reason, like, that would make a little bit of sense. But you are no extra help right now. You're, one, either slowing her down or, two, just putting yourself at unnecessary risk. Like, you're not going to be able to fight anything off until you get somewhere with a weapon. He is literally useless in the rest of the yeah. movie. And he just He's dies. just taking along for the ride. for just, to, just because it makes him look like not a piece of shit. Yeah. One of the worst movies of the movie. Yeah. I, I think we have our three finalists yeah. for Night of the Living Pleb. So Coldo makes his way back to the kitchen and he finds a ton dead. And then his Uncle Pepe attacks. And Coldo, he tries to stab him with a knife. Doesn't work. So he ends up using like a, uh, an industrial blender. Yeah, I have no idea what this is. It was like a blender, but it was like for more like larger stuff than just like a smoothie. Yeah, okay. It looked like handheld. Yeah. Brutal kill. So awesome. I loved it. Right in his mouth. <laughs> right in the mouth. That's great. Then he drops the weapon. To be fair, I think this thing was plugged in. Sure. Could be. So I don't think you could really do anything with it. And he, he's going to end up grabbing a sword. Um, <laughs> a little better of an upgrade. So that's good. So Clara kills a bunch of infected with the chainsaw, even when it's not working on her. Like, she's just beating them down with it. A chainsaw's a good weapon, even if it's not working. and They're heavy. Yeah. It's going to take a lot of effort. Like, you're going to be drained afterwards, but it's effective. Yeah. But in this fight, Rafa gets bit, and he's dying, so she just cuts his head off. Yep. His eyes slowly start turning red, and he's basically saying, like, don't do it. And she's like, sorry. Bye. No one to cut ties. And I love the decapitation. I'm worse. Yes. Uh, this, propo- this podcast is a big proponent of decapitations. Yeah, I don't know how realistic that one was, but I'll take it. I'll take way. it and run. It was yep. great. So Clara, she ends up underneath the kitchen now, in that grate that we saw earlier down in the tunnels. And Colto's in the kitchen. She's got to like look around to find the, the, the screwdriver that got dropped earlier and climb up the ladder. And they end up getting it open just as the infected are about to get her. And she even uses her heel because she's wearing her high heels still. Oh. Which, honestly, I would have ditched by at that point. Oh, absolutely. But this is one of those rare instances where the high heels have helped because they're, she just kills one of the infected with it. by just stabs him in the face. <laughs> it was great. It was great. So I, not not getting rid of the, the heels worked out for once. Wear sensible footwear. Wear. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, my God. Cheers. Wear <laughs> sensible footwear. Rule 34, wear sensible footwear. You know, wear sensible footwear. Normally, I always say running shoes and hiking boots. But if you're going to wear high heels, use them as a weapon at the very least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? So they're all up in the kitchen. They, they don't put the grate back on. and It doesn't matter, but they just start kissing. That was so frustrating. They just start kissing. Like, you just had this really close call. Yeah, they're not climbing the ladder right now, but they can very easily. They get lucky. They get very lucky. Absolutely. Bunch of infected break in, and they're going to die. They're screwed. They're completely surrounded. So they're like, all right, well, this is the end. You would have been a good mom. You would have been a good dad. Love you. Okay, bye. And then luckily the PA system comes on and the priest starts praying using the power of prayer and all the infected just freeze in place. He did it. He did it. So it would have been nice a little bit ago, but. Hey, he had to, he had to get his, make his way there. Sure. 
So they're like, oh, okay, I guess we can just leave. Bye. <laughs> Bye. And so they go outside, and they're just making their way towards the exit. All the infected are frozen, except one. Deaf Grandpa. He can't hear the prayer. It has no effect on him. Yep. Appears out of nowhere and bites Clara. Never assume you're safe. Constant vigilance. Yeah, even though everyone is frozen, you don't. You never know how long this could actually work for. You don't know how long the priest is going to be actually like doing it for. Yep. You don't know if they can still like swing at you or anything, or just like randomly lash out if you get too close. Because I mean, the on one or two occasions, like Clara got fairly close to some of the infected because she was just. It, it, like she was like kind of like amazed at yeah. what was happening, but she got kind of close to some of them. Maybe not the best choice. Plain, Still keep your distance. Plain risky. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's another good point. Um, yeah, keep your distance, which is uh, rule forty. She ends up getting bit on the hand. Goldo does use the sword to kill uh, Deaf Grandpa, and then he cuts her fucking arm off with the sword. Yep. She asked him to. Yep, she asked him to. Hey, rule 17, never give up. The next thing you try my word. But yeah, it was a chunk out of the side of the hand, and you could just slowly see like the darkness like creeping up her arm. Yep. So it's like, oh, wow, this I didn't think that this would actually work, but it looks like it's just moving up. Chop it off. Chop it off. That's, what, that's the move. Yep. Just chop your limbs off. And do it as fast as you can, otherwise you're just going to keep losing more. <laughs> yep. And then he uses his tie as a tourniquet, which I always appreciate when also they do smart. that. So they get to the very front of this castle area. They're quarantined inside. They the, the the tarp, the plastic tarps are up. But Clara starts coughing up blood. It did not work. They, they either didn't get it cut off in time or it didn't matter. It didn't matter. She's she's turning. And Coldo knows it. I mean, he decides to pick her up and just carry her out anyway. I don't know what he expected to happen, but I don't think he cared. No, I think at that point he was just, you know what? My entire family is dead. Literally everyone I know is dead, like because all my friends are here too, and my new wife is now also dead. Uh, or about to die. She's turning. Carry out. Maybe they got a cure. Maybe they'll shoot us both. Who cares? That's probably his mentality at this yeah. point. What What do you have to lose? Your life is essentially over at this yeah. point, unless you want to just start from scratch. Yeah, and that's gonna be expensive therapy bills. Yeah. Who Who's got the money for that? Yeah. Uh, so he carries her out of the quarantine, and all the cops have got their guns trained on them. I'm shocked they weren't just gunned down. Oh, I fully expected them to just get gunned down the, the second that they walked it. I was expecting just walk past the plastic, slow-mo, just bullets <laughs> flying, just <laughs> all through the skin. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was expecting, too, the first time I watched this. And they scan them, and she's infected. He's not. And they're like, put her down. Put her down, dude. Just, just put her down. And he decides to give her a big old kiss. Maybe not the best decision. <laughs> Rule number 32. You play stupid games, you win <laughs> stupid prizes. Don't kiss zombies. Fun fact. This is a, it's a bad idea. Bad idea. I, I have no words. <laughs> like it's, it, Neither you, does you he. Would, you'd think it'd be pretty self-explanatory, so there it is. She bites his tongue off. Just fully. Rips, rips it out. The entire thing. Yep. No tongue. Little tongue tad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and they just open fire on these two at this point because he's infected now. Just guns them all down, and they both end up dying from the bullet wounds holding hands. Yep. And that's the end of Coldo and Clara, and that is the end of Rec 3 Genesis. And for the two of them, you know, again, it was just she wasn't constantly vigilant. She assumed she was safe. She got too close to the, the infected and got bit. And then Coldo, I just don't think he cared by the end. Yeah, no. Yeah, his motivations were completely out the window. Yeah. And then he kissed a zombie. <laughs> As you do. As you do. And so we we never get confirmation as to who's still alive. I believe in Wreck 4, there's one survivor. It's some random lady. 
uh, from this wedding. One person survives. A priest ends, I guess, priest ends up dying in some. I was going to say, I feel like if anyone's going to survive, it's going to be the priest. No, so we we never really find out what happens after the events of or after Coldo and Clara die. But I do remember there is one character from Rec Four or Rec Three who comes back in Rec Four, but mm. she, I don't think she was actually in Rec Three. They just say she was at the wedding. Oh, it's just some rando, rando old lady who lived. <laughs> okay. Yep. Don't know for sure, so we can't like speak to the priest and anybody else who might still be alive. Yep. Only the ones that we saw on screen. Yeah. We can only do what we can do. All right, so I didn't get any new rules for Rec 3 Genesis, did you? No. Standard stuff. We, we covered this in Rec 1 and Rec 2. Yeah. I, th- I think if you're, you're going to have two new rules, it'd probably be uh, don't go to weddings and don't kiss zombies. Don't kiss zombies. Uh, just good rules of thumb for life. Yes. So let's get into some awards. First, we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. And this is, of course, based off Randy Meeks from Scream, one of the best movie characters of all time. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Josh, who are you thinking for the Randy Meeks Merit Badge? No idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like the Night of the Living Pleb is a little bit easier here. Sure. Uh, or at least we have some obvious finalists. Randy Meeks Merit Badge... I don't know, because, I mean, both of our main, main characters also had some flaws. Big ones. Big ones. Uh, they're not... Like, they did a lot of good stuff, but their motives were all wrong. A hundred percent. So we, we can't endorse them. A lot, a lot of mistakes. I think the only real person we give it to is the priest. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I was going to say either him or... I don't know if, like, Adrian did anything good. I mean... He was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there really isn't any other standouts. The priest, he 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 had a rocky start. He pan- was a little panicky, but he, he locked and loaded. Yep. He figured out the weakness and he used it, and hopefully he saved some people. And he, you know, we we're never gonna find out what happens to him, but you know, hypothetically, he could just keep praying over and over and over until they can take down all these zombies and they he can go free. Yeah, he just has to sit. He has sitting there until SWAT team comes in and just mows everyone else down. Hope he doesn't lose his voice. Yeah. And he could probably use the PA system, maybe try and talk to the uh, the the people on the outside too. You know, that's a possibly a way of communication. True. Yeah, you'd stop stop praying for a little bit, and then they might start moving around a little bit. And then you'd say just go in spurts. Yep. So I think we gotta go with the priest. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. And then we got the Night of the Living Pleb Award, which goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules. And this is, of course, based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead, who is the worst movie character of all time. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Uh, we have a couple of options. So, we had three we kind of talked about. We had Mancho, a.k.a. Uh, royalties. We have uh, the waiter. And we have Rafa. Who are you thinking? Even though even though royalties is such a bad character, he did have the one redeeming moment. Yep. Where he just beat the crap out of that lady. Yep. Double tapped like crazy. Yeah, he had a lot of bad stuff, but I think you can write him off just because of that. I'm not sure about the waiter. I don't think that there was anything positive about him. And then with Rafa, oh, God, that's a tough one, too. I I think it's between the waiter and Rafa. I agree. I agree. Um, Because Rafa, he didn't cut ties when he needed to, but that also meant that his motivation was a little changed. But he went went in with no weapon. He was just along for the ride. And at least the waiter had a weapon and armor. True. I guess if you want to say that there was, if there was any positive side to the waiter, he did armor up <laughs> yeah i'm thinking because with the waiter if let's say he hadn't gone with holdo he would have stayed with the chapel group would have gone to the bus would have died oh true yeah um, odds are he was he wasn't going to just stick it out by himself so it's just like choice a he dies choice b he dies so i think the waiter was dead no matter what rafa makes choice a he dies makes choice b he gets out of the tunnels and lives 
probably lives. Probably lives. No guarantees, but it's the best chance you got. The waiter, besides going on this stupid mission, he just spoke a little too loudly. Yeah. I, even if they hadn't, I think he probably would have ended up it anyway. Rafa, not necessarily a young, fit guy. He made it pretty far. He doesn't really do anything good along the way. Also, he and Sponge John split up from uh, oh, Clara true. at one point. So I, I want to give it to Rafa. Yeah, I, that actually makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Both of them were basically batting zero, the waiter and Rafa, but Rafa did more wrong. So I think Rafa is the night of the living pleb, and he's not so living anymore. No. All right. Well, that was Rec 3 Genesis. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so the Wheel of Spooks is still kind of on hiatus, but I think we're going to try and do Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare next week, which will be a three-person podcast. That'll, if, if, uh, it'll be you, me, and then uh, my buddy Jordan Ryan, because he's also the biggest Freddy's Dead fan in the world alongside me. And you can't get rid of the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street correspondent Correct. here. So when we do Freddy's Dead, it will be a three-person podcast. If Jordan is available, we're going to do that. If not, we're going to figure something else out. But that is the current plan is to finally do Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which I'm so excited for because I have a poster of that movie in my room. Yes, I, I can confirm he does. I love um, that movie. And I won't let him put it out in the living room yeah. or anywhere else in the apartment. I've been wanting to hang it up uh, out, out here, but uh, he won't let me for some reason. <laughs> After the movie, you're going to be a huge fan. We're going to hang up. Oh, yes. You're going to buy sure. your own love to hanging up. I'm sure. We'll, we'll, we'll even put it on the door outside. Oh, yes. Perfect. <laughs> but that's the plan for next week. Uh, but uh, that's a little bit tentative. Josh, thanks for doing this. You're welcome. Do you have any social media you want to give out? Uh, sure. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at jwessler. J-W-E-H-S-E-L-E-R. All right, and you can follow us on Twitter at HowToHorror. That's how the number two horror. Uh, so we love five-star reviews, so you can always leave us those on iTunes. And we will read them on the podcast if you give us a five-star review. And we got one from uh, Max Unrath, U-N-R-A-T-H, Unrath, Unrath? Unrath? Yeah, I don't know. Don't know how to pronounce that. I'm sorry, Max. But uh, In Honor of Randy Meeks is the, the title. Ooh. <clears throat> great premise that is executed with tremendous detail and great humor. I especially love the commitment to completing all the movies in a franchise. I've seen so many of these sequels once or twice, but I forget the characters and the specific plot details because they are not classics. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast helps me revisit those films and dive into all the specific characters and plot details, which enhances my overall memory and experience with that film. This podcast will have you reciting the rules out loud the next time you watch any horror movie and you see characters make stupid decisions. Highly recommend. Thank you so much, Max. That that was a great review. I'm glad you appreciate that we're doing all of the sequels because I know not everybody likes that we're doing all these terrible, terrible movies, but I don't care. But Max, I'm, I'm stoked that you like that. That makes me very happy. I also like that it comes up whenever you're watching like an unrelated movie like to the podcast because I find that just like... Not even watching a movie or anything, like just like randomly out at a, at a restaurant or just something, something stupid, just like oh, 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 never assume you're safe or like cause of vigilance. <laughs> I'm ruining everyone, and I'm I'm, I'm glad to do it. Uh, so thanks a lot, Max. If you want us to read your reviews, uh, five stars and write something funny, and I'll read it. Uh, so thank you very much, uh, and keep it up. We love it. All right, Josh, you got anything else? No, I don't think so. And I think that's about it. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast, and now more than ever. Stay safe out there.